Thanks for tuning in to Sick of Being Sober. My name is Bran, and I am the host for this recovery podcast. This podcast is sponsored by United Kingdom Straight Edge and Hardcore Forever. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Oh, oh hey, this isn't just some sort of weird ad for the show, but I legitimately got lost in the song Opposition by Magnitude. I haven't listened to the introduction to this podcast in a while. Yes, I know I do this show weekly, but I rarely ever just listen to the introduction, and I freaking love that song so much. So Meta Podcast, Magnitude, Straight Edge Hardcore Band, super awesome. Check them out if you haven't gotten a chance to check them out. Shouts to you, Magnitude. Thank you for letting me use the song. All right, let's actually talk about recovery and sobriety because I could talk about hardcore for pretty much ever. I really want to talk about hardcore right now, but I'm not going to. We're going to talk about recovery and sobriety. If you remember the reboot of this podcast, there was somewhat of a theme that was 12-step program-like. This is not a 12-step program podcast at all. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, But there was a theme that I was kind of going for, which was me reworking the steps in my own experience and just kind of sharing these epiphanies that I've had. Um, I think experiences are incredibly important to the recovery of an individual. I think just kind of sharing like how I feel about things and how I've morphed my life within the 12 step or I guess recovery work, whatever you want to call it, um, is important to share not necessarily that I think that I my importance like the my or my story is like the most important, but I do believe that as a collective, it's important for us to all share so that we can all kind of identify with that we all have very similar experiences. That was a long-winded way of saying that I want to get back to that kind of stuff. I know that there have been current events and we've had some very fabulous guests on the show, and it's been an amazing time doing this cycle of this podcast because I really have gotten a chance to connect not only with myself but with other people um, and their experiences and just kind of learning from how they are operating their life. But I do want to finish out the theme that was kind of the centerpiece of this podcast the first few episodes, which is basically recovery work, program work, experiences, and more. I don't know. I haven't really kind of had a chance to think about how to say any of that, but I feel like that might be the best way. We are going to get back to the guests and having amazing interviews and just conversations with people who are living a life of recovery or who are sober. Um, I'm actually in the process of doing kind of like, I guess, like an intake um, on a guest. We're trying to figure out what times match up for us to meet because unfortunately, not all of us 
have the same time zone or live in the same time zone. So because of that, we have to kind of work around times plus being a parent um, and then having somebody who is a parent themselves get on the show. It's trying to figure out the right time when kids are asleep and it's not midnight here or there. That is proving to be a huge obstacle with this because a lot of the people that I've had are West Coasters and now I'm trying to like get people from Germany and get people from Connecticut and all these different places that are completely different than Arizona or California. Without further ado, let's talk about apologies. For a long time in my life, I feel that there are certain words, and I've stated this on this podcast before, that I think there are certain words and phrases in language that really just kind of minimize another person's emotions. Um, and one of those phrases, like I think one of those phrases is, is I love you. Um, and I think another phrase is thank you. I think another phrase is I'm sorry. I think those phrases are kind of like these, like you, like almost universal kind of thing. Like every language has something like that. But I think that they're very overused. I think as like a person who is a recovering addict, as somebody who has um, real difficulty, I guess, truly connecting um, the dots of someone else's pain um, and my pain or like how it's correlated in any of that. It's really easy for me to use these words and these phrases to just kind of tell someone to piss off. And that's a kind of a kind way of saying it, of just kind of telling someone to piss off. I mean, that's what it is. I think my entire life I've kind of used I'm sorry as this uh, almost like a weapon of just like, or not even a weapon, it's more of like a shield of just like, hey, like, you know, somebody calls me out on something and then I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. And I actually don't learn anything from that. And I hadn't learned anything from that for a really, really long time. And there was an argument that my wife used to have with me um, where she would, she didn't like it when I would, or she doesn't like it. I mean, still, it's not something that's like, you know, done with. It's like when I do something and I screw up or um, there's a miscommunication, like my, my go-to kind of uh, reaction is to say, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I won't do it again. And truly, it's not that I don't mean it, because I do mean it. But it's almost like this defense or the shield or this like weaponized kind of, you know, verbiage that it's like, no, like, I, I, I don't want to have to deal with it. And I'm sorry, we'll like, put a bandaid on it, and we'll deal with it later. I've kind of done that my entire life. I I remember a lot of different types of traumas from my childhood with my parents. Um, and a lot of it, I think a lot of us just in general, it's not just me, but I think a lot of us in general have to deal with, you know, trying to parent ourselves now. You know, there's like that whole new idea of like parenting 
us as adults um, and parenting our inner child. But I think that there's so much trauma out there and just kind of trauma within your own life of just having to get your parents off your back. And if it's not for one thing, it's always for something else. And you have this struggle as a kid and then as a teenager and then as a young adult and then as an adult of just trying to formulate who you are and allowing yourself to grow in the way that you want to grow. But for a long time, for a huge portion of your life, you have somebody who is constantly trying to... I guess, police you and just kind of like keep you from, I guess, being you in a way. I don't think all parents are like that. I think there are a lot of parents out there who allow their kids to flourish the way that they need to flourish. But I think that from my age, which I'm 32, um, I think parents around that are people my age, parents were just kind of like trying to make sure that you... I mean, I guess like some of it was like survival, like make sure that you like stay alive. But I think a lot of it was just like we had so much going on and um, parents just kind of tried to formulate you in a way that is kind of like a spitting image of them. Like they were just trying to teach you. And I think it's parenting in general is like trying to teach your kids, your values kinds of things. But there was not this opportunity to opportunity to grow. I think that was very much my childhood. I have mentioned this before on this podcast. I grew up in a uh, very conservative, Christian, Bible-thumping kind of household. And so um, I'm sure it was very interesting for my parents to (laughs) see that not only did they adopt a Filipino child and he's brown and everybody else is white, but also like as I was growing up and turning myself into who I am today like I constantly was not what they were ever like when they were a kid I think a lot of people say this but I do believe that if you take like the 80s and 90s and then you take early 2000s that time period of music and scenery and like legitimate scenery but like also the idea of a scene and being seen um all of that kind of just mushed into this weird time where people were turning into internet celebrities and turning into memes and all these different things that our parents didn't have to deal with as 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 kids um and so there were just more opportunities. And, you know, there, it wasn't like that so much when I was in, in elementary school or junior high. But, like, there was a lot more exposure to um, aggressive music and just stuff that was not, I guess, quote unquote, wholesome. I guess if you want to put that in any kind of terms of like the 60s. I mean, like 60s, you have like Woodstock and all this stuff, or like all those different times from like 60s, 70s. Um, but like, it wasn't, you know, like Nirvana or like, uh, corn even, or like Slipknot or like these really extreme types of, 
um, music. And so I remember just a lot of that trying to like formulate who I was as a kid and then as a teenager and then as an adult and then just always having them kind of breathe down my back and like kind of like, you know, shape who I was, which I think any parent, good parent, like wants to shape their kid because they want the best for them. And so they only teach them what they know. I think the long-winded piece of that, what I'm trying to get to, is that for so long within that time period, I think, of being a teenager and really growing, like when I really started like listening to like aggressive music and like had realized that like, oh, like I'm not really into like corn or slipknot or like bands that like do weird shit like that. Like I kind of like hate breed and terror and all these other bands who were like kind of look normal people like I guess look tough as fuck but like they have it going but it's also aggressive and so I think I when I started going through that it was just this weird phase this transitional period of um being like oh like I'm sorry for not living up to your standards or living up and it's not like my parents had like this oppressive you know foot on me or anything but it was enough to where it was it you you want at least I did I wanted to please my parents um in a sense because they're still my parents and I want them to see that I appreciate them and so there was a lot of apologizing for things that I didn't have to apologize I think that this has to play in with a lot more than just like culture like like music and you know, styles of dress and stuff like that. I I think there's so much more to that, but I do believe that that was a big portion where I was just kind of conditioning my brain to apologize for things that I didn't necessarily need to apologize for. So apologies and saying, I'm sorry, was just a very quick and easy way to get them to flat out fuck off. Um, And I think they knew that just as parents, like, I think that they understood that that's what I was doing. But I think there is something that happens to your psyche when you start really desensitizing yourself or desensitizing a word and just making it so it's not as relatable or just having it lose its meaning because it's being said so many times in so many different ways at inappropriate times that it's just it just loses its real worth. Before my wife, like nobody has had ever said to me, like, I don't think you're sorry. You know, like, I think I'm like, I love my wife so much. But like, she was the first one to like argue that point to me. And it was like, fuck, like, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> I had never had somebody say something like that to me before. And so I, it kind of like had made me stop in my tracks and be like, oh, like I got to like, maybe I have to think about this and like come back to it and revisit it. Um, I've always been this kid who just like wanted to like solve everything right away and just put the bandaid on it, especially with my parents. Like it was the same thing. It was like, oh, like you got a tattoo and I'm super angry at you and your body's a temple, blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted everything to be better. I didn't want to have that discomfort. So I'd just say, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I, I, I maybe I was a little bit, but there was this other part of me that was like, ah, I have this amazing bicep tattoo, blah. Also, I'm 18, blah. Um, 
but I never had really developed that sense of myself that was really just like noticing or recognizing how my actions had ever affected them. I just thought that they were just, you know, putting their foot on me or their thumb on me and just being like, you can't do this because the power of Christ. And um, it's totally not like that at all. So I get this, you know, whole, under, I guess, new understanding from my wife of, or I guess my girlfriend at the time who, you know, kind of calls me out for those things. And it really kind of did make me look inward and be like, oh, well, maybe I'm not sorry. And like, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I, I need to take a second to figure my things out. And then I'll like actually go back and apologize or talk to you about what happened. Um, and I'm really grateful for that, but it wasn't until sobriety or until working a program or um, getting into recovery when I actually had figured any of that stuff out. I mean, we had um, we had we got married in 2015, and um, I our first year our our first year of marriage was really really hard, and we were going to marriage counseling and. I remember even that, like I didn't, none of that clicked, that whole concept of like apologies and um, trying to, I guess, work it out. We, we did work it out, obviously, we've been married since then, but like it was one of those things where it, I believe this kind of topic of revisiting um, my actions and why I was apologizing and communication and sitting with my wife and sitting with a therapist and doing it, you know, like all of that, it was just almost like emotion, but it was also one of those things that I hadn't registered, like a lot of things had not registered um, with how to heal until I got into recovery. Fast forward to 2018. Um, my wife at this point had been sober for a year and I was kind of on this kind of fence of whether or not if I wanted to do it or not. And I started to make that leap of like, yes, let's do it. So I got into recovery or I started this whole, like, just, I'm going to cold Turkey, everything and stop smoking and stop drinking, stop taking medication, stop taking all of it. And that was just a giant cocktail of just relapse. So then I relapsed and then I got sober, um, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I hadn't gone to a, uh, a meeting or I guess gone to a meeting to get a sponsor until my full year after I had gotten sober. Um, I had gone to meetings and um, just kind of like, well, this is what I do. And like, also this is like trying to, have me hold up my end of the bargain of like yeah I fucked up and I need like my wife wants me to do this and I need to do this because I want to stay married but there was also this part of like I'm just gonna just do do the thing so I can just you know get better because I knew that it worked I had seen other friends go through the program and like you know or just not even go through the program but just get into recovery and have their life turned around like all of it um, but it wasn't until a year later when I was like, okay, I got like, I'm actually going to do it. I, I remember in 2018, my first few months of recovery, I did go to a meeting with an old cycling buddy of mine 
and I called him up and I was like, Hey, I know you were, you're sober. You mentioned to me, um, take me to a meeting. Like I'd love to go. So he was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. So he took me to a meeting, scared me shitless, still went to meetings, but for a different reason. Um, and then a year later, you know, contact him like, Hey, like, can you sponsor me? Cause I need this. And he did. It's so grateful for it. He took me through all the steps and, um, you know, we got to the one where you talk about your resentments and your fears and your sex inventory and just all the angry, angry stuff uh, that we had talked about earlier on the show where I just kind of told you not only things like how I felt about resentments, but that also how it made me feel after I had said all these things and just like my mentality the last, uh, the last episode before i think it was maybe the before the last one um where i talked about scorched earth like i legitimately wanted to burn everything down because it was easier to do that than face the truth and that was pretty much every relationship that i had ever been in every kind of and like not necessarily a relationship like as an intimate relationship but as like a friendship or as a job or as like, this is stupid but like as sports teams or brands all those things like just burn it down don't make any ties and keep going that was pretty much my mo for a very 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 long time um and i wrote down all of the things that just pissed me off about everything everybody every institution um just all these things of just like i'm going to tell you everything and i remember i had like 85 things of just person after person after people after institution that I just fucking hated and resented to the core and I remember going through that feeling really icky afterwards because then I was like oh I have like all these problems like I like I have some real like anger and like some real like jealousy all these different things like I have high of all these problems and these insecurities and now I have to do all this other stuff, ask God to help me and blah, 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 blah. Like all those things, like it just really kind of messed with my head, but I ended up getting through it. I kind of just clenched my fist and got through all of it, um, finished those and then, you know, took on my own people to talk to about these things, continue to go to meetings. I got exponentially better as far as a human being um, because I think that this part where you get to the amends is like the biggest, I guess, epiphany for me within my relationship to the entire world. Like I said, I spent 80, you know, I spent a bunch of time, like I think it was like four sessions of just talking to this dude for two to three hours a piece about all these different things, talking to other people because he was like, dude, I don't know, like talk to somebody else for a second. I think that counts as you just like figuring it out. And I remember talking to other people, but doing it for like four sessions, blah, 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 
all of it. And then getting to this point where I had to apologize, make an amends, build that bridge, unscorch the earth that I was scorching. And I learned so much. If you are unfamiliar with this step or this part of the process, whatever you want to call it, so this doesn't get me in trouble, is that you're supposed to make a list of people you have harmed and, and apologize to them. Um, the dude I was working with was awesome. And um, he you know, had me kind of write out a script of like, this is the stuff you're gonna say. And um, at the very end, can't say anything. You can you know, nod your head, you can uh, reply a thank you if it's like an email or a letter or something like that, but nothing else. Um, you just tell them what you did and that you're sorry. Um, and that's it. He said, let's start with the, I guess, easiest people that you could just like knock out of the park, just so you can kind of like get that under your belt. Get these apologies and these this list of people you've harmed out of the way just so you can kind of like feel that momentum and you know propel you into do the harder ones. And this is gonna sound bad, but I chose to go for my wife first because I thought, okay, like I see her every single day. I'm gonna apologize to her and everything's gonna be great and you know, dandy. Um, I apologized to her, I kind of caught her off guard. It was pretty inappropriate as far as just like how I handled it. Uh, she told me that later and, and has recently was had told me like, when you do this again, like I really want like a better one because I was not ready for it. And again, that kind of like goes with how I had originally gone through the step work. Uh, my first go around was just like, let's get it done and out of the way and I'm going to be cured. Um, so I kind of, you know, like I apologized and I mean, it was, they were, it was, it was sincere, but not as sincere as it should have been. Um, but it wasn't until I started actually like apologizing and talking to people that I had tr truly harmed that I was really nervous about. Um, and I was really nervous about my wife too, but like, there's this also part of me that was like, you're my wife and you're going to be the... Um, mother of my son and you would never leave I'll, there was like this really weird sense of security like my my guy was like you should do that with your parents <laughs> because that's pretty much how your parents are going to operate but i for some reason there was like this comfort of knowing that my wife I knew that my wife was not going to um, and that's just me being honest with it and I need to go back and do a formal apology. And I did after, but I need to on my second go around for sure. Um, but when I got to the, I guess, quote unquote, more difficult ones on the list, uh, the whole concept of resentments and amends kind of just collided. For me, it was when I apologized to my parents. I apologized to them for all the 
bullshit that I put them through in high school. And I know that it was just teenage stuff, but there were some real weaponized things that I did. You know, they didn't want me to get tattoos. I got my entire body tattooed um, and I still get it tattooed. Not as much of as, as I got a front to them, but like when I was a kid, definitely. Um, I ran away, stole their car lived with my girlfriend even though I knew that it would break their heart all these different things that I just had <clears throat> excuse me had like kind of eviscerated them for years I apologized for and that was the first time that when I had actually said sorry to them and I believe and I believe I know I meant that because I just I could see the pain in their eyes, but I could also see this other part of it that was like, they knew that like I was holding myself accountable for this bullshit that I had done. Um, and I remember just kind of just getting so flustered because I was like, I don't want to like continuously talk about all these things because like, God damn, I did a lot. Um, and I remember my dad started talking first and I shut up and I just let him tell me what he thought about me and what he had thought during the times that I had done all these things. And then my mom told me her parts of it. She told me how her heart was broken when I had run away and how they didn't understand like that was like the biggest thing was when I ran away and I stole their car and I lived with my girlfriend they were completely heartbroken over that and I remember just listening to them seeing how much I had truly affected them and that like they've gotten over it but how like that was just still this part of them that was like you could see this like frozen piece of time of that was my parents um, and the pain that they had felt. And after seeing that and just listening to them, I truly kind of, I, I, I think that's how I, how I kind of, how I, how I put everything together with what, life is about and relationships are about is you know and then this program work if you talk to anybody they were like oh keep your side of the you know street clean and like i think that kind of goes on the same level of um i love you thank you i'm sorry all those kinds of things um and I and I heard that multiple times that I had never really put it together. But I think that whole situation with my parents was exactly the point that I needed to see like, oh, holy shit, like everything I do has a consequence. And all the things that I did, the reason why I did all those things, I did them out of spite of you and to you because I was pissed at you and I resented you and I was resentful of God and I was resentful of whatever like all those things I was resentful for 
And as a direct result of those actions, I broke your heart and I ruined your trust. I know you still love me, but like I took away so much. And I did go back and talk to my wife about these things. Um, We had been talking about this kind of stuff for an incredibly long time after um, I had gotten sober. You know, like one of the most beautiful things about having a person you love or the person you're in love with be sober as well is like you get to have these really amazing reflective talks and really just kind of talk about amazing stuff. Um, And we've had these talks about just the things that I've done in our relationship and the things that she's done in our relationship and the things we've said and all these different things um, that have eroded, eroded our relationship and um, how like that, you know, how we don't want to do that ever again. And we're not going to do that ever again. And I, and I love that about us that we're able to do that. Um, and we've grown so much since our first year of marriage and we've all those things. But when I circle back and I like look at our marriage counseling and I look at my life with her, I see the pain that we both brought to each other and the pain that now doesn't really exist there. Like it's like we have declared that this is not a pain or house of pain, if you will. Like we are a family who, who communicates and truly tries to see that other, that other piece and know that like whatever we're bringing, whatever we're doing, whatever, whatever emotion that we're having is truly going to have a consequence. And it's, it, it doesn't just go one way. It goes both ways. And I'm so thankful within sobriety and within recovery, within this program, within going through and talking to some people that I really didn't want to talk to and apologize to people that I didn't really want to apologize to and just saying things that I never thought I would ever say. Um, I'm so thankful for that because my life and my marriage, my family is so much better off with that complete understanding that I have the option to not bring that to the table. I have an option to not bring my fears, resentments, my the bat, my the the lesser version of myself to the table. Like that is an option, and I truly need to always be my absolute best because the world deserves the best. My wife deserves the best. My son, my friends, all of it deserves the best. And like, yes, I'm going to have off days, but at the same time, like I can come back to it and apologize and truly mean it um, and listen to what somebody else has to say um, in response to whatever I'm apologizing for. So I don't say I'm sorry as much as I used to. I don't use it as this fuck you or piss off or whatever it's it is like i am sorry because like i did not understand that what i did affected you in the way that it affected you for me in recovery 
I get these aha moments and even within the past few minutes, like having those kind of aha moments and just moments of clarity and understanding and seeing the connections between um, our actions and a consequence and how we have to just be mindful of our actions can cause just waves of memories and emotions to pop up and I think I just did that <laughs> like I I wasn't planning on saying any of that but it just having that part in my life having that piece of me that is able to be activated by just sharing my experience or hearing an experience um, and just having a fellowship with somebody else or a group of people um, that whole sense of unity uh, is just so important to like the survival of mankind and just just the survival of us like uh, us as addicts or us as recovery us as whatever you want to call yourself like I don't I really don't care what you identify with yourself of how you see yourself in recovery like I I what just hope and want you to be the best you that you possibly can be and understand that like yeah you might not jive with 12 steps you might not jive with god you might not jive with other recovery programs but like we're all here for the same reason we're all not doing something that other people are doing for the same reason and it's because we want to have a clear mind and a clear heart Oh man, this is totally going to go to a Friday Night's Light situation, but I'm not going to let it get there. So we all have the same idea with what we want and are trying to be as open-minded as possible to these other ideas. And I think that's the other part too, is just being open-minded and trying to see what somebody else is bringing to the table. Maybe you're aware, maybe you're not, but some states are lifting their guidelines of wearing masks in businesses. I am incredibly grateful for the small businesses in Arizona who are choosing to stick it to the man and saying, hey, we care about our people and we're going to do what we can through this pandemic. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Good night.